Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Turn your Bibles open to Lamentations 3. We are wrapping up, as I said, a series that we started at the beginning of the month. We took the month of February to talk about relationships. The world highlights, I don't know if they highlight relationships, but with Valentine's, there's just a lot of uh, relationship stuff out there, love, all that kind of stuff out there. Um, so we thought it was important to share God's perspective on relationships during that time because what we need to have is God's perspective on relationships. Because you know, as I know, the world is changing constantly and so there's this struggle, you know, who are you gonna follow, who are you gonna listen to, if you will, and can I say the world's way does not work and is not working. And so, you know, if you just look at just common sense, if you look at legislation, if you look at statistics, it's not working. And so uh, statistics will say half of the marriages today end in a divorce, you got a 50-50 chance of making it happen following the world's way. Can, world's way. can I say this? My wife and I, my, my kids, we're going to get on an airplane tomorrow, a long flight, and uh, if the pilot comes on before we leave and says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you for flying uh, United Airlines, I just want to let you know you got about a 50% chance of making it to your destination and a 50% chance of crashing in the ocean. Can I tell you I'm getting off that plane? I'm not riding that plane. I want better odds than that. And it's the same thing. Some of us need better odds in our marriage and we're not gonna get them unless we're doing what God says to do, amen? So if we keep doing what the world does, we'll get world results. If we do what God says, we better our odds. And so that's what we've been trying to experience and do in the, in, in the course of the series. And so um, I wanna get into that this morning. I don't wanna review per se. You can go back and uh, look at um, you know, the message in the past, but uh, the, you can go in the archives and watch the last three. But before we do, we've, been, we've had a fun time showing uh, different wedding picks. I appreciate you guys responding. Hashtag 2L, 2L wedding pick. And so that's been fun. We're gonna do that more. And so thank you for giving us our pictures. But before I show you this time, actually we haven't been able to, to show them all yet. So we're kind of got like a video montage here in just a moment at the end. But I called my wife earlier in the week and it's always interesting when we're doing a marriage series, what our marriage relationship's like. It could be really good or really bad and just in the, the devil or whatever. So uh, we, we're, we were, I called her uh, this week and I, and I said, hey honey. She's like, hey, how you doing? We're just we're chit chatting. And she goes, you know what? I gotta change my ringtone. And she has a special ringtone for me. How many of you guys have ringtones for people? Different, okay, that's a little much. But anyway, so uh, I can't figure out how to do that. So, I got, so she has a special ringtone for me. And she goes, I can change my ringtone. And I'm like, well, what is your ringtone for me? And she said, she was one of our wedding songs and it was Someday My Prince Will Come. And I said, oh yeah, I remember that one. My sister and my brother-in-law sang that one. And, she, and I said, well, why are you gonna change it? And she goes, I'm tired of waiting. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Oh yeah? Well, wait till I get on stage. All right, how about that? It was payback for embarrassing her last Sunday. But anyway, so uh, I don't know what your wedding song was and stuff, and certainly we put a couple songs together. I don't think, I hope the first one's not anybody's wedding song, but uh, I, I just find maybe you'll hear yours in this, but let's take a look. Love and marriage, love and marriage. They go together like a horse and carriage. This I'll tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other.
for submitting those pictures. Lots of fun. We'll do some more of that. It's just a lot of fun to see that. And uh, you know, I don't know about, did you hear your wedding? Anybody hear their wedding song in there? Yeah, that second one, that Celine Dion song. So my sister and my brother-in-law who are, who are singers, okay, you know, they grew up doing that. And uh, they sang, Someday My Prince Will Come in that one. And they blew both of them. They forgot the words in both of them. It's like, seriously? And uh, so, you know, it's just interesting, you know, the marriage relationships and stuff that just however they start, however they are, here's what we know, according especially to Lamentations, wherever your past is and wherever you find yourself today, here's the great thing in Lamentations 3, 19, according to the prophet Jeremiah, he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. He's just kind of like thinking, I'm just things, man, I'm just kind of down today. What's wrong? I'm thinking about all the stuff in the past. Just, I wish I would have done this different. This didn't work out the way that I thought. I shouldn't have gone here, shouldn't have done this. And he continues that and he goes, well, I remember, I remember them well and my soul is downcast. I'm kind of getting a little depressed when I'm just thinking about the past and the past mistakes. But then he switches gears, thankfully, so he encourages us to do the same. Yet this I call to mind, I don't need to stay there or live there in my past. It's the past, I cannot change that. And he says, but I can have hope for the tomorrows because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Those things don't determine the course of my life because of God's great love. For his compassions or mercies, another translation says, never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And can I say thank you, God, for mercies new every morning. Mercies new today. His mercies are new this morning, right here, right now. So let's not live in the past. And you know, I, sometimes I feel, I, I mean, I wanna bring you a great word and, and a balanced word or what I feel is a balanced word in, in different topics of our life. And so I know this one though, however, this topic can be painful. It can be hurtful because of past. And uh, I want you to know I don't mean any condemnation today. That's not the heart and spirit of the word, nor of me or this place. But I want you to know this, that whatever that looked like, no matter how bad, how hurtful, how painful, today's a new day and his mercy is new for you. And let's live life forward, amen, with a fresh start and a clean slate. There is hope today because God is the God of the new. And so I want you to hear that today as we get going. And I appreciate appreciate that out of uh, Prophet Jeremiah. It's something that we need to be mindful of. But understand... uh, also, that we need to do some things in accordance with the word of God to give ourselves some better odds. Let's do things different than the world does things. Um, you know, we need to look at, at this particular topic from this standpoint, and today's my title, Never Give Up. I, I think in today's world, there is a mindset that things are, are more and more disposable. I don't know if that's the right word, but there, we've, we've lost this value, this value of, of you know, staying in the fight or, or staying in the, in the middle of it, staying in the struggle. We, we've lost this value of not giving up and not quitting because we live in a world that if you don't, if you don't like where you work, quit and go somewhere else. If you don't, you know, like where you go to church, there's another one in every corner. If you don't like, you know, where you want to eat, go to a different one. If you don't, you know, like whatever, if you don't like that relationship, hey, find another one. And that's kind of the mindset of the world. And can I tell you, the world's way is not working and it will not work. And we need to get back to looking at what God says. And that just makes sense because God is the creator of marriage. And it just boggles my mind when I think about how so many people or men or even governments or whatever will legislate things and redefine things when they didn't create it. You can't improve on something God's created. Can I tell you that? 
You can't improve on something God's created. So man has a different way of thinking. We need to think like the way God thinks and the standard in the word of God. Uh, I also wanna share something, just a few things before I get into my message. I know it takes two. I know it takes two. So I, I know that, I don't want you to feel again, any guilt, any condemnation. And also, I, there are, there are a few, very, very few grounds for biblical divorce. There are that. And I would never ask anybody to stay and if you're a punching bag, or you're abused verbally, sexually, emotionally, physically, there probably needs to be a separation time or whatever while that can be worked on. So I want you to hear all that. And I, I wanna be done and don't refer back to that. I just wanna get that right here. I wanna be sensitive to that. So don't think I'm just being hard. And I, I know that there's, there's challenges and things to this. And I know there's real hurt and real pain. I'm not denying any of that. But I am denying that there's a God that wants to bring newness to your life and to your marriage. And that God's way is the better way. And so I wanted to say that this morning. I hope that didn't sound hard. Um, but there always is challenge in, in, in marriage and in relationships. And so I heard a story about Ruth Graham, uh, the wife of Dr. Billy Graham. She's passed on a few years ago. He's still obviously here on the planet. But uh, someone interviewed her one time being married to Billy Graham. That must be amazing. She's like, have you ever gotten mad? Do you ever get mad at Dr. Graham? And she said, all the time. I get mad at them all the time. The reporter's a little surprised. And, and they said, have you ever thought about divorce, divorcing him? And she said, no, absolutely not. She goes, I've never thought about divorcing him because our, our wedding vow said, till death do us part. And then she said, I thought about killing him, murdering him, <laughs> but not divorce. And so I just wanna say, you take divorce and murder off the table. Neither one of those are options. Just wanna be clear of that. But you know, everybody has those challenges. And so we, they, there is conflict. And honestly, most of us have conflict because we married our opposite, right? We talked a little bit last week about that. We married our opposite, in fact, Studies show that more than 90% of couples are married to someone completely different than them. It's true, isn't it? I mean, it's true, 90% of us. And you know, I think that's part of God's plan. And you know, initially, we, initially we say it was fun and it was cute when we're dating, but not anymore. I mean, times pass. And so, you know, when you're dating, you hear this, opposites attract. It's cute and fun, we're dating, oh, so great. Opposites attract. When you're married, opposites attack. <laughs> it's like, ha. <laughs> tired of that. I'm done with that. That was cute. I mean, you were all laid back, but now you're lazy. And he's like, oh yeah, you had it all together, knew exactly what you wanted out of life. Now you're bossy and controlling. And it's this opposite that we, if we don't manage that and have a perspective where we honor that and we serve that and we, we allow that to be a strength in our relationship, then that can be a point of conflict. And really probably uh, many of us have come to that place where you just think about throwing in the towel. But can I tell you again, uh, the, the opposites that we're married to, really, if you see it right, it should be a strength to you. I, I'm thankful for the, the strengths that my wife has that I don't have, and I'm thankful for the strengths that I have that she doesn't have, and, and I wanna be very clear in that. We come together, we're a great couple, but listen, she's not there to complete me, and I'm not there to complete her. God does that. So you should go into a marriage relationship to separately, independently, complete people in God, We'll talk about it in a minute and see how God puts that all together to become one. And so I uh, just wanted to let you know that, that that person putting that responsibility and that expectation on the other person, that pressure, that stress to be some kind of completion to you or whatever, that, that is not fair. And that's the source of a lot of our conflict because only God can bring that. And so we put expectation on people to do and be things that were only meant for God to do and be. And so we have to be very mindful of that. But let's talk about opposites for just a second because honestly, we're, that's the way it works. That's who we are. Uh, let's, by the show of hands, by a show of hands, how many of you are real punctual people, on-time people? Let me see that. I know you are because your hand went up like right away. <laughs> it's me. 
My dad always told me, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. How many of you are a little more laid back? I'm trying to be real nice with this. A little more laid back, maybe a little creative, kind of go with the flow kind of person. How many of you guys are late? Let me just say it that way, okay? Yeah. All right, there you go. All right. How many of you guys are planners? Like, you want to know everything that's going on? You want to plan it all out, right? And how many of you guys are procrastinators? You don't want to plan. You'll get there. Some of you will put your hands up later, I know. But <laughs> how... How many of you, uh, when you go on a trip, how many of you, it's like, it's about the destination. I just, I just want to get there. I, I want to be at that place. How many it's about the destination? Okay, how many of you hate road trips with that person because you're riding the car? It's like, oh, let's stop there. That's kind of a neat place. Okay, never mind. All right, come on. It's about the journey. Come on. All right? All right. One more. How many of you guys are savers? You save. Let's save. Let's save. Okay. How many of you guys are spenders? Raise your hand. Raise them high. Keep them held up. Ushers, get them at the uh, offering bucket real quick. Get them twice. It's twice today. Now, those that are spenders and procrastinators, like, I'm glad I didn't put my hand up yet, all right? So I could, it went over first service way better than that, okay? So that'll hit you later. Okay, let's move on. So honestly, obviously, if you were at a vantage point where you can see all the hands, we're opposites. I mean, the, number one, to find somebody just like you would be pointless and, and wouldn't be fun. And, but, you know, God puts us together a certain way, but that can be, if we don't manage it right in the, way, in the eyes of the Lord and, and his plan and purpose in scripture, it can be a point of contention. And so we're different. And so we need to understand that for a reason. And we all have to, we all have to we're gonna face that. It's gonna be there. But J, Jesus says some, something completely about managing that in our relationship because our relationships are never meant to be disposable. So Matthew 19, three through six says this. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. Now listen, they came with the intent of trapping him in something. And it's along the lines of, of this relationship thing we're talking about. They asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now, the reason why they're asking him that question is because back in that day, they had like a no-fault divorce thing. If the man wanted to divorce a woman, they didn't have to have reasons like, I'm done. Now, the woman didn't have that power. In fact, there's still places and cultures in the Middle East today that the man still has that power and the, and the woman doesn't. In fact, they'll carry around a marriage license or marriage certificate in their pocket and then if something doesn't go wrong, then uh, at, no, at any point, any time, they can say, this is over, we're done. And it's almost like they hold it over, I'm like, uh, what'd you say, huh, what'd you say, what'd you say? What do you mean dinner's not ready? <laughs> right here. And it's this mindset that we've created, our culture, and that's a little extreme, but created on what this relationship really is about. So they're trying to trap Jesus based on this idea of marriage because in lawfully there's a no fault divorce that can happen there. And then Jesus is putting a different perspective on it. He's let me tell you what this is really about. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And so what Jesus was saying is, listen, there's something more at work here than what you realize. I mean, you can talk about no fault this and all this all you want, but that's not what God was doing when he created the marriage institution. God was doing something powerful. God was doing something permanent. God was doing something connecting and bonding. And again, I want you to hear not anything coming down in guilt and shame. Mercies are new today, but let's, we need to look at the scripture and see how we can get lined up with what God's saying here. And what he's talking about is that, that really we have to have a different perspective than culture and society is creating for us today. It just shouldn't be that easy. And he wasn't saying it to be hard or mean or judgmental. He was just saying, you don't understand what has happened. And it's not that easy to have become one now. 
Let me say it that way. He's saying two have become one now because in God's world, when he brings that covenant relationship together, it's not two independent people living as married. It's two becoming one. And when you un-one one, it's very painful. It's very hurtful. It's very difficult. And, and, and he's trying to express to them in that day and to us today that there's something different going on here than even what we see in our world today. And, I'm, and now again, if I'm saying, I want to be very clear, if I'm not saying stay in uh, you know, the abusive relationship, there's other ways to manage all that. I, I, again, I, I want you to hear that. But when we look at what Jesus says, he knows it's not that easy. Can I tell you, it, he wanted, why did he create it that way? Because then that's the best possible marriage relationship that can happen. Because he intended for that to be the strongest bond next to a bond between a believer and a savior. He, he intended that even despite our differences and how we're opposites and the conflict that we, we create through that, if we will acknowledge those things in the, world and fo- in the word and follow the word, that that could be the most amazing, powerful thing on the planet. I mean, we, we don't want him to do it halfway, if you will. I mean, couldn't you just made something that's a little bit more easy to get in and out of? No, then it wouldn't be as powerful as it was meant to be. And so he's created it a certain way for a reason and for a purpose. And so um, let, me, let me stop right here and make a comment. And, and I know you love me and you have to love, you have to love me. And, uh, but I want to say this. You know, last week we talked and what, everybody always asks when I do relationship uh, series, kind of what's our stand on this, what's our stand on that. And you just saw the scripture, male and female. Uh, obviously God's standard is our standard. You know, marriage is between a man and a woman. But I also want to say this. Our, our job is to line our lives up with the word of God, not trying to get God to line up with us. And so having said that, and again, I wanna say this in love and without any judgment or condemnation, it, he's talking about the blessings that come through a marriage covenant. He's not talking about that there'll be these blessings if two people are living together as married but aren't. And I think that's important to say because some of us sometimes want the blessing that we're talking about this morning on our relationship, but we don't have the marriage covenant and God's not gonna bless anything outside of the bounds of his word. So there's other things perhaps he'll bless in your life, but not that because it's not lined up with the word. And so the next thing for me to say is we can fix that. We can fix that. And I know that, you know, we have experiences and I know that really the world's pretty skeptical on marriage or even the marriage being successful anymore today. I, I get that. But our odds always get better in line with his word. Amen. And so having said that, uh, you know, on March 15th, on Wednesday night, March 15th, we have a class beginning called SYMBIS, S-Y-M-B-I-S, which stands for Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And so it's kind of a premarital. So I want to encourage you, if you're at a place and you're, you want the blessings of God that we're talking about in your relationship and your marriage, and you want to get in line with the word of God, which is what creates you positionally for that to be poured in your life, the blessings, then I would encourage you to go attend that class. And so if you're engaged to be married, and great, you need to go be a part of that class. If you're living as married but not, I would encourage you to go to that class. And so I want to just let you know about that. All right, let's move along. Okay, so we need to understand a couple things. Let's understand God's way. It's different than the world's. Let's start right here. Um, marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. And I taught a series on this called Unbroken, I think in the beginning of September, that you can go back and look at it. So I'm not going to take a lot of time 
on these few points right here, but it's important for us to mention today. A contract may work between you and your mortgage company. If you ever bought a house, oh my goodness, could there be any more pieces of paper to sign? I mean, you sign papers that say you signed that paper. Could you sign this saying you signed the last one I just handed you, right? Could you sign this saying that you're using the pen from this company? I don't know, I mean, just like, and lawyers upon lawyers upon lawyers have to put these things together. And, and so what, what happens is that's great between you and a business and business, and I understand all that, but we bring that mindset then into a marriage relationship because a, a contract is there, if you mess me up, here's what's gonna happen to you. That's basically what a contract, if you do this, I'm gonna do this, or here's my response. If you don't do this, then I'm not gonna do this and all that kind of stuff. And so it says, if you ever mess me over, here's what I'll do to you. But that's not how marriage is to be. And you can't bring a contractual mindset into the marriage relationship. So covenant, the word covenant literally means to cut. In the Hebrew original language, it literally means to cut. And a covenant was a relationship that was formed out of blood. And actually what would happen back in the day, it seems a little extreme, but it's a beautiful picture. When the priests would marry the people back in the day, they would cut each of their palms until they bled and they'd put their hands together and they would wrap them in a cord. And what it would symbolize is our blood is mingling. So now no longer are we two separate individuals. We've come together and really we're one. And that's what it would be symbolic of. And that's a beautiful picture, I think. I think I'm actually gonna start doing that. So if you wanna get married, come sign up at the Welcome Center. <laughs> no, seriously. But, but the picture of it's beautiful because here's why. Because our mindset a lot of times can be, and I've heard people say this, you've heard the saying, blood is thicker than? It's just a different way we view a blood relationship. And the problem is, if we don't see it the way God sees it, we'll see two individual coming, people coming together and a marriage is two individuals. That's your family, this is my family. But no, the word covenant means we have joined to a, a blood covenant together, we are now one. Our blood has mingled together and we're one. So you see that partner, even though from a different family, now is part of your family and you raise the relationship level different, or to another level rather. And so that's the idea behind it. When we talk about covenant, there's a, there, there's a, a seriousness to it, if you will, at a, a, a highest level. Now, Luke twenty two twenty says this. Jesus is talking about this. He's in the upper room, or he's rather at the Last Supper with the disciples. He's getting ready to go to the cross. Here's what he says. In the same way, after the supper, he, being Jesus, took the cup, saying this cup is the new What? covenant. It's the relationship I want to take you to. It's the highest level possible relationally. I am so serious about this relationship. I'm there can't be any other higher level, he's saying. It's the new covenant in my blood, which he's going to shed, which is poured out for you. Now, they didn't completely understand that necessarily because he hadn't gone to the cross yet, but soon he would. And he's showing everybody this relationship should be at the highest level. It can't be viewed with a different mindset. And so he's talking about that's kind of the idea behind the covenant relationships we enter into when we get married. Jesus was saying, I'm getting ready to demonstrate the permanency of my commitment to you. And he's going to the cross and he bleeds and dies, the ultimate covenant relationship. That's what he does. Uh, let, me, let me give you, I heard this definition of marriage. I love it, so I've kind of adopted it. Marriage is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. An unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. How, how can we use that as a definition of marriage? Because the, the relationship we have, marriage relationship with husband and wife, is the same picture we have relationally with Christ and the church. And Christ has unconditional love to imperfect people. You and I. You realize we're the imperfect in that equation right there, not him. He's the unconditional. 
but he shows what that relationship or that covenant relationship should look like. And that doesn't mean, and because we know we're imperfect people, that, that, that doesn't, doesn't mean everybody's gonna get it right all the time. I, we know you're gonna mess up. I know I'm gonna mess up. I, but I know there'll be days when we won't get along. But listen, understand something. On that day, we both need to know that we aren't going anywhere. We both need to know that we aren't going anywhere. And so we need to take divorce off the table because sometimes we use that as control and then we live in fear. But when you take that off the table, then you can find a resolution in a more healthy manner as opposed to just trying to line up. You can resolve things. And I think about the covenant God made with you. He was so serious about the covenant with you. He didn't even wait to see if you'd get in on it. He didn't, before we'd even accepted the offer, he demonstrated his love for us. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, he entered into a blood covenant with you and I. While we were nailing his hands, he shed his blood to forgive for nailing his hands. It's the picture of the relationship. This is the power of the cross. I want you to understand the power of that relationship with God, the power of the cross, because it's important to understand because that's how you and I can live it out here with other people. I think how powerful everything I just described. When you receive that incredible offer from Jesus and you accept it, you have then the power to extend it to other people. Because you may think, well, that's impossible. Seriously, Pastor, come on, that's impossible. Okay, with God, all things are possible. And because of the covenant relationship which he entered into you and I, the empowerment, the blessing that comes from that, we now have the ability to extend that to other people. Now it's impossible without connecting with him in the greatest capacity that we can. We need to get closer to him all the time. We need to get involved more with him all the time. So we, we all have been, we all have, can I say just this week, probably just this week, maybe yesterday, maybe last night, maybe this morning, I don't know. We've all given him reason to walk away from us. We all have. And we've all given him reason to turn his back on us. We've all given him reason to bail on us. We've all given him reason to quit on us. We've gone places where, why don't you stay here at home, Jesus, I got this one, I'm going out with my friends tonight. We've all done those things. In fact, some of us, when we leave church on Sunday, we go, oh no, you stay here, I'll be back next week. (laughs) But you know, he is always with you. But he loves unconditionally, why? He's in a covenant with you. And so unless you tap into who he is and what that covenant means, then you won't be able to walk this out. But when you do, you have a power beyond your natural power. That's the power of the cross and the relationship you have with Jesus Christ that will give you a greater opportunity to walk that out. When you're receive, on the receiving end, listen, when you are on the receiving end of the love of God and the covenant of God, it gives you the capacity to do the same. First John says, we love because he first loved us. I couldn't love that way before, but I can now because I've been loved that way. And so that's where we get that. So let's take a look at a few differences between covenant and contract real quick on the screen. Covenant is based on mutual commitment. Mutual commitment. Commitment does not mean until you make me unhappy. Doesn't mean as long as I'm good. Commitment's not being in as long as things go my way. But once you cross that line, Commitment means being willing to be unhappy for a while while we work it out. But you need to be working it out. You don't need, hey, you don't need commitment for the good days. <laughs> I am super committed on these great days we're having right now. No, you don't need commitment for those days. You need commitment for the bad days. Contract is based on mutual distrust. Contract, contractual mindset. The world's mindset is based on mutual distrust. That's why our contracts has so many pieces of paper and need lawyers to look at them. 
And people bring that into relationships in case one does not act right or we don't like them anymore. And I've shared this before. Um, I had read this story, I'd heard about it and then I'd read it. A wedding in New York, there was a couple that rewrote their wedding vows. Instead of saying, which is typical, from this day forward until death do us part, they wrote, I promise to be faithful to you for as long as I shall love you. <laughs> you hear, that's the married people laughing right there, chuckling. That's about four days, <laughs> right? It's interesting, right? I mean, come on, married people, that, that ain't always easy. You're not always feeling the love. Right? It's interesting to me the word honeymoon, if you've ever looked it up. The word honeymoon, in fact, means sweet month. I'm like, I don't know what day they were living in. That's right. And someone was like, honeymoon, sweet month, whatever. I had the, I had the honey half moon. I had the honey quarter moon. I got moon by my honey. I mean, I don't know, whatever it is, that's all. What do you want? It doesn't always work that way. So that's not what keeps us together. Mom, just be glad you weren't here last week, Mom. Just be glad. That's all I'm saying. You don't, you don't need to watch the stream. Uh, okay, let's keep going. Covenant surrenders, covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibility. Covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibility. Covenant says, I give my life to you. It's not about me. Man, again, think about the Jesus relationship. Man, we just sang a powerful song that really is about a covenant. If you take those elements out of that song, that's, that's his covenant to us that we've entered into. And I'm to love Jessamy like Christ loves the church. Wow, that's a big deal. He laid his life down for me. Contract protects rights and shirks responsibilities. It's all about me. Don't you cross this line. All about me. A, a, a covenant has the interest of the other in mind. I'm not in this for what Jesme can give me, I'm in this for what I can give Jesme. Or a contract has personal convenience in mind. I'm gonna stay with this as long as it's good for me. It's two different mindsets. Covenant, God's plan, contract, world plan. We need to do what we can. That's what Jeremiah was saying, we need to think differently. Be thinking about all the things in the past. Think about God's unconditional love, therefore his power and ability to empower us to make better choices. And when we don't make those choices, thank God his mercy is new every morning. God's word is calling us back to this covenant relationship that we have to define our marriage relationships the way God does, not the way the world does, if we're gonna have a happily ever after. Malachi 2, 15 through 16, take a look at this for a second. So be on your guard, be aware, be mindful, understand what's going on, and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man, now listen, I'm explaining this. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard, here we go again. Be aware of what's going on, what this is really about, and do not be unfaithful. And that sounds pretty harsh, but listen to what really what this means is that in the most difficult of times, you don't run from each other, you run to each other. When you're hurt, you don't hurt back, you protect. When the going gets tough, the tough do not get going, the tough get closer. That's what this is saying right here. He goes, at the time the person needs you the most, don't bail. That's what he's talking about here. We have to understand the wording and the language and the context. That's what it means. It's when they need you the most. We all have a moment when we say, I'm out of here, but that's a moment when we should, should say, should, what? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know what I'm saying? When we need to get back engaged. Love does not give a person what they deserve, it gives a person what they need. Amen? So it says, so be on your guard, why? Because you're gonna feel like this. 
Be on your guard because you're gonna feel like bailing, you're gonna feel like quitting. So what, we, what do we do? Let me give you three things real quick. Number one, we will make the choice to love. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. Make the choice. Wake up and make the choice. Go to bed and make the choice. Too many people think love is a feeling. Love has feelings, but love is not a feeling. Actually, the song, we could have played that at the wedding thing. What's love got to do with it? I have nothing. It's a choice. It's a choice you make, and we all learned last week, choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. Don't get them reversed. The world says feelings lead, choices follow. No, I make choices based on how I'm feeling. Are you kidding me? That's the worst thing you can do because the Bible says sometimes your heart and your emotions are your enemies. So choices lead, feelings follow. So we need to make some different choices. You may not feel like it for a while, but remember last week, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If you'll take your treasure, who you are, your words, your time, your resources, your energy, your affection, your attention, your treasure, if you take that, even though you don't feel like it, and you put it into that other person, the Bible says eventually your heart will follow along. So we make the choice to love. Colossians 3.14 says this, And over all these virtues, over everything else, put on love, which binds them together. It binds everything together in perfect unity. It all works when love is put on. Notice it says put on. Doesn't say when you feel like love, when you find love, when you have love. You know what, this morning when you got up, you got dressed, you chose what you were gonna wear, you put on clothes, thank you, and you came to church. It took decisions, it took work, but you know what? You did it, guess what? You're gonna have to make some decisions, it's gonna take some work, but you gotta put on love. It doesn't just happen. Just don't wake up and there it is. Unless you sleep in your clothes overnight, and that's weird. But you have to do something to put on. Does that make sense? So it's like, you, you, you have to choose when you get up, what am I putting on today? Think about it, it's the same picture, what am I putting on today? Put on love, put on love today. Wear it all day long. Number two, we will prioritize our relationships. We will prioritize our relationships. If I want a happily ever after with Jessamy, it's gonna take some work. And understand the principle in the scripture. Whatever or wherever I put first, seek first, whatever that is, that biblic, it's a biblical principles. It's a biblical principle. Jesus says he honors that. Now we use the principle typically in the giving because that's appropriate, but not only that. When you put them first, God honors that. We give so much, so much time, energy, and stuff to other things, we have nothing left sometimes. Sometimes maybe we need to make a little bit of an adjustment. Can I tell you that God will honor what is the first in you? We give God the first part, just you being here today, you've given God the first part of your week. Guess what? He's going to bless you for that. You get up in the morning, you give him the first part of the day, he's going to bless you for that. It's going to benefit the rest of your day. When you give, we're gonna give in a little bit, it's what we do at the end of service. When you give, you give God the first, the Bible says, the first fruits, the firstborn, when you give first, he blesses that and it honors you, it honors the rest and blesses the rest. Anything you give that to, so when you have that priority relationship as your spouse and put him first, not in a place above God, but above all your other relationships, God honors that. And so let me say this, because I know sometimes that we feel we're showing love, but some of us can be workaholics or whatever, I'm providing for my family. Can I tell you God honors what you put first? If you will put your spouse first, you'll put your giving first, you'll put your God first, you won't have to be a workaholic to make ends meet. It's a biblical principle. It's in the Bible. It works, which therefore it means it works. 
When you honor God first, it changes everything else. Matthew 6, we know this, this is a reminder. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things that we want, need, stress, worry over will be added by the priority of the first. Galatians 6, 7 and 9 says this, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. It's not just forgiving in the offering. You reap what you sow, period, into your relationship. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If you don't like what you're getting, think about what you're giving. That's the Bible. I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. If you don't like what you're getting, think about what you're giving. So keep sowing and do not give up. Listen, none of this is possible outside of Jesus. You can't do anything the Bible says if you're not tapping in to him and what the Bible gives. At the end of the day, number three, the most important one, if nothing else, get this one. We will trust God. Trust him. You can take him at his word. His word works. You can trust God. His mercies are new every morning. Unless the Lord builds a house, Psalms 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. You can trust the foundation of God's word. You can trust the person and power of the Holy Spirit. You can trust the relationship through Jesus Christ. You can trust God. In fact, it's the only way to make it work as it should. It's the only sure foundation of life. We have got to be thinking along the lines of the word and along the lines of God's definition of things and how God sees things and God's standard. That's the way to better our odds. If we don't or won't, then we might as well just stay right over here in this pile and go down with the plane. The word of God, the spirit of God, the love of God gives us better odds. And guess what? It gives us a clean slate today. A fresh start today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Really, it all works through, in and through Jesus. We talked about the work on the cross. We talked about the covenant he wanted to enter into. He said, I love you. If you were the only one, he would have saved you. And he saw us and he saw the need that we have and so he says, I'm gonna take a relationship with you to the highest level possible and I'm gonna give my life for you. He provided a way to enter into a covenant with us. We got the best end of the deal. He got all our stuff and we got all his love and wonder and forgiveness, mercy, grace. It starts with a decision. Will you receive that love? Will you accept it? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.